the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening, and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. With your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and we're inviting you to call in with your questions, your comments, and concerns. Our toll-free number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 1-888-367-5329. So don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. We are a uh, listener-supported. We're uh, a phone-in conversation tonight, and we want to make sure that you do phone in and get get plenty of time to get your questions answered and to, if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. So we want to encourage you. Don't be shy. Pick up that phone tonight and give us a call. And tonight, we're excited to bring you a brand new series on Contending for the Faith. We uh, wrapped up our series on the doctrine of the Trinity. And if you missed any of that, you can find it on our podcast. Simply go to kfax.com, go to the banner on Contending for the Faith, and look up our podcast, and you'll find all of the episodes. I think there's about 27 of them. So it's a very extensive, detailed uh, teaching on the Trinity that you won't want to miss. Uh, so, but it's all available to you free. Uh, simply go to the podcast and take advantage of that, as well as all of the um, many, many uh, episodes of Contending for the Faith with various topics. So again, great resource, take advantage of it. But as I mentioned tonight, we begin a new series on Contending for the Faith. We will be talking about the five D's as it relates to our bodies being the holy temple of God. Now, oftentimes when we talk about the Old Testament temple as a holy, consecrated place where God dwells, we forget that these Old Testament principles have tremendous application for us today. So the question, what are the biblical lessons we can learn from the Old Testament temple and our bodies being the New Testament temple that God dwells in? Well, for the answer to this and much, much more, stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, uh, introduction. So, uh, as Brother Gary said, we're starting a new series here, uh, talking about the five Ds as it relates to uh, the Holy Spirit and our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so, <clears throat> what we want to do uh, tonight is to challenge you on the importance of uh uh, from God's perspective, uh, we want to challenge you and uh, encourage you that uh, God created your bodies 
to be a reflector of him as well as your soul and your spirit and everything that you are and what God wants you to do. And this is what I want to challenge you on in this new series is that God wants you to live and wants us all to live a holy and sanctified and consecrated life to him. One of the things that uh, major things that God hates is hypocrisy. And uh, we see this throughout the scriptures. <clears throat> we see it in the Old Testament where people drop dead because of hypocrisy. And we see it also in the New Testament that people drop dead because of hypocrisy. And we see it today in many of our churches that people are dropping dead because of hypocrisy. And God is not going to tolerate that. That's why Jesus ran the people out of the temple. An interesting word, temple. He ran them out of the temple. And we are talking about uh, the five D's as it relates to the body being the holy temple of God. God is serious <clears throat> about your body being consecrated and, and uh, given to him in purity and holiness. That's what God wants you to do. Now, let me kind of like review a few things to you from a historical standpoint regarding in the Old Testament how God took this serious about uh, the temple. Because I, what I want to do in this series is compare the Old Testament temple to the New Testament temple of our body. There's a lot of truth with uh, the, the two and comparing the two. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, God took it serious that the leaders, the priests, and all the people, and especially the priests, who were supposed to be an example of holiness amongst the people. He uh, told the priests that when you come into the holies of holies, who come into the temple, that I want you to be living a holy and righteous life. And we see that some of the priests decided to not do that. And that's one of the reasons why God had uh, the people to put a rope around his ankle with bells, because the people could not go into the temple. The way they had it set up was that when you entered the, the temple, they had the priests uh, at the entrance and people would bring their sacrifices. And then the priests would give it to the high priests that would go into the holies of holies within the temple and he would offer the sacrifice before God. Well, God uh, looked at the priests and when they came into the temple and they were living a life of hypocrisy, God dropped them literally dead right there in the temple. And because the people could not come in there, that the people just dragged them out with a rope. And when they saw that the bells were not uh, jingling, they knew that they were dead. But if the bells were jingling, they knew that they were alive and living a holy life. But the, the bells were telling the people that the people, how the people were living, the, the leaders were living. God is serious about leaders today and all of us living a holy and righteous life. Now, now this is the thing that I want to add to this as well, that uh, God 
and Christ, the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're always looking at our worship being a worship without hypocrisy. Now, you need to see this and understand what I'm getting ready to say to you, and you need to write this down because it's very important. If our worship is not right, then our service is not right. Let me say that again, because that's a poignant point and a critical point and a life and death point. If our worship is not right, then our service is not right. The reason why I'm saying that is because when the priest went into the temple and his worship was not right, then his service was not right, and then God dropped him dead. And we find this same thing in the New Testament with Ananias and Sapphira. Their worship was not right, therefore their service was not right, and God dropped Ananias and his wife dead, and great fear came upon the entire church. God has a way of getting our attention, and, and most of the time, death will really get our attention, and either death in a family, death of a loved one, death of a spouse, death of somebody in the church. It just has a way of waking us up and get God getting our attention. Now, it is interesting that in Matthew chapter 4, and Luke chapter 4, you remember when Jesus was rebuking the, the enemy? He even told Satan, the devil, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shall thy serve. Did you hear that? Listen to that carefully. Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shall thy serve. Jesus there in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, he puts worship before service. And the problem with so many of us today, our worship is just not there. When do we spend time with God one-on-one? -on -one? When are, we should be worshiping God throughout the day, giving him praise and worshiping him through his word, through song and through prayer and through the armor and through the Spirit of God, and when we are not worshiping God first and putting him first in our worship, then our service is not right, and therefore, you're going to be in a lot of trouble, and even in the church, you can do all the singing and the shouting, and the, but throughout the week, if your worship is not right with God, when you go to church on Sunday, then your service is not going to be right. And you need to really listen to that carefully. Listen to it carefully. Now, this is the point that I want to say to you, and then I want to introduce the first D. But let me say this to you quickly. In Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is a serious thing that the Apostle Paul is talking about regarding worship. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice the word holy. So your body is a temple. And he's saying, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, if your body is not being a holy body given over to God as a living sacrifice, it's not acceptable unto God. Look at the verse and see what it says. 
The only way it's going to be acceptable unto God is that you're living a sacrificial life of holiness, which is your reasonable service. Now, notice how he uses the word service last, and then he puts the word bodies a living sacrifice. That's worship right there. That's worship again before service, which is your reasonable service. Now, the problem with a living sacrifice is this. It's jumps off and on the altar. That's the problem with a living sacrifice. A dead sacrifice stayed on the altar, on the altar. That's our problem today. We jump on, we jump off, we jump on, we jump off, and that's what we end up doing all the time when it comes to God. Now notice what it says in verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. So we have to have a transformed mind. How do we get that transformed mind? It's in the word, in prayer, in the spirit, in the armor. And then we have a transformed mind to think the way of God. See, that's why the apostle Paul says in Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Now, let me get into the first D, because we're going to be talking about all five different Ds. Now, the first D is a place of uh, dedication. The first D is a place of dedication. That's, and the scripture that goes with that is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And that's why he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so, uh, and then verse 2, don't be conformed to this world. That is a place of dedication. That's the first D. Our temples, our bodies, our lives need, need to be dedicated to God daily without hypocrisy as a living sacrifice, and that's really important. Now, I want to close on this note because it's very important. I want you to turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to read in your hearing uh, verses 16 and 17, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, uh, let me see, 1 Corinthians 3, and uh, let me read to you verse uh, 16 and 17. It says, Know ye not that, you're, that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Notice the word holy, which temple you are. Now, the temple is holy. God wants to dwell in a holy temple. If the temple is unholy, you might get struck down. You may get knocked down. You may get destroyed. It's a very serious thing. We're going to have a prayer of repentance. I want you to pray with me. Lord, forgive me for not surrendering my life and my body to you as a living sacrifice. Help me, Lord, to stay on the altar, not jump off and on. Lord, forgive me. I repent of all my sins. I surrender my life to you as Savior and Lord, as King of my life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Gary. Our phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. It's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecture Counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we want to thank everyone who has been praying for Contending for the Faith. This is a prayer-driven ministry, and we need those uh, factual, fervent prayers of all you righteous folks out there, which will avail much for us. And we thank you for those prayers that you've been uh, putting up for us over the many, many years that we've been on the air. Such a blessing to know that so many folks are praying for us. In addition to that, we want to thank those who have partnered with us financially uh, to support this ministry, to keep it going. It costs us 400 a week to remain on the air. And uh, this is a listener-supported ministry. And without that support, there would be no ministry. So we thank you so much for uh, sacrificially giving to this work. It's so vital that you are consistent in prayer and consistent in giving. There's two ways that you can donate. Uh, you can the, the first way, you can address a uh, check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. But the second way is so much easier. You just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button. We just want to encourage you right now. We need about $132 to uh, be current. And so we need your support. So consider praying for this ministry and, and consider partnering with us financially. We also want to let you know that uh, we'll be uh, airing uh, pre-recorded messages for the next two weeks. We'll be off. Uh, we won't be live, but the program will air. And so you can listen in and take notes and uh It'll be uh, the best of contending for the faith. We'll return on uh, June 26th live in studios. So in the meanwhile, we want to encourage you continue to pray, continue to give, continue to listen and take notes and grow in your faith and grow in the word of God. All right, Dr. Buckner, ready to go to the calls. Let's do that, Brother Gary. Sounds like a winner. Okay, we're going to go to Sophia. I know she's uh, hanging on there. Sophia, how are you doing? Well, I tell you, this is so exciting. I feel like I'm being bumped up to first class, so come on first. But anyway, it's very exciting. Now, I just want to remind everybody that just because they won't be live, we still have to pay for the $400 a month. Okay. Now, so we have a week. To give, a week. A week. Actually, oh, I'm so actually, sorry. A actually, week. Yes. They don't think that because they're not there that it's free. It would okay. be nice if it was just a month. Yeah, yeah that right. would be. <laughs> nice. Sorry about that. That's a big mistake. Well, you yep. see, I apparently made another mistake. When I called last time, I gave you the wrong um, Ephesians, so I apologize. Well, that's no problem. Let me uh, elaborate upon that. Uh, I uh, had listened to the call and 
and we had rushed so much so we didn't get a chance to really uh, give you a thorough answer on that. But uh, the the chapter and the verses of scripture is Ephesians chapter two, uh, oh. and uh, it's uh, verses fourteen through sixteen, and it talks about um, uh, here for he is our peace whom has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances for to make in himself find one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God at one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereof, uh, thereby. So, um, this is uh, an interesting verse of scripture, and uh, let me just kind of elaborate upon uh, each uh, verse here, verse 14 and 15, and kind of give a little meat to that uh, on a spiritual level. For when he talks about uh, he uh, himself is our peace, uh, we're talking about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, okay. and he has uh, made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. And what was the middle wall of separation? Well, when it talks about he has abolished it, uh, it's an interesting thing as well. The uh, middle wall of separation, this refers to the wall in the temple that petitioned off the court of the Gentiles from the areas of accessible ability only to the Jews. And so the Apostle Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, is referring to that wall as a symbolic of a social, religious, and spiritual separation that kept Jews and Gentiles apart. So in Ephesians 2 and 15, abolished in his flesh the enmity, uh, how through his, this actually, it was abolished uh, at the cross uh, when Jesus died, he abolished the ceremonial laws, the feasts, the sacrifices, uh, which separated the Jews from the Gentiles. And uh, when it says he has made us now one new man, how has he done this? Mm -hmm. Christ does uh, not uh, exclude anyone who comes to him, and those who are his are not spiritually distinct from one another. We are one in Christ, and that's why it talks about, and you link this with Galatians 3 and 28, when he talks about there's neither Jew, Greek, bond, or free. We're all one. There's the word, all one in Christ. And so uh, the in, in Christ, uh, we, what he's done is abolish all of this stuff that has separated the Jews from the Gentiles, and we're all one. The true Aww. spiritual Jew is those who are have faith in Christ and uh, who are following uh, Christ and what he's done, he's abolished the old covenant. And now we are under a new covenant uh, because the writer of Hebrews talks about the old covenant is obsolete, obsolete rather, obsolete. So anyway, uh, hopefully that gives a little more insight to your question. And, uh, but I wanted to kind of share that with you to kind of help you with the question that you had asked. Thank you so much. God bless you both, because that's really helpful. That clears up anything, because I was a little confused, and now I am no longer. So thank you so much. God bless you, and both Amen. of you enjoy your holiday. 
Amen. Thank you. We we are committed to uh, knocking confusion out of confusion. So, uh, now we uh, want to uh, appreciate you saying enjoy our time. I'll be celebrating my birthday uh, oh, as well birthday. as uh, my wife and I uh, will be celebrating uh, 50 years of uh, marriage. And uh, oh. so that's why we're taking uh, uh, me and my family a couple of weeks off. So be in prayer for us uh, as we go down as well uh, to Bakersfield to uh, celebrate. Uh, we'll celebrate something here, go down to Bakersfield and celebrate down there. Also, my mother's birthday, she'll be turning 95. My mother Aww. named Aurelia Taylor, and she's quite a godly woman, but she'll be turning 95, be five years away from 100, and uh, she's uh, still in pretty good shape. So we thank the Lord for that. Well, that is fabulous, and you'll give your mother a big hug for me, and we'll celebrate her 100th birthday for sure. So God bless you both. God bless you. Thank you for your question and always digging in the Word of God. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Amen. All right. Well, you know, I just want to say, Doc, you know, this series is going to be an incredible wake-up call for the church. I think the issue of holiness is so timely when we live in a culture that is really the antithesis of holy, uh, and we can easily become uh, quietly corrupted by the things that are going on, the things that are coming into our lives. And uh, we need a wake-up call to remember that, yeah, God says that we are to be holy because he is a holy God. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, God, uh, as I indicated in the message, he uh, is not going to tolerate uh, hypocrisy. So mm-hmm. we need to repent of that lifestyle. And uh, we see that if anything made God angry and Jesus angry was hypocrisy, saying one thing and doing another. Uh, you don't want to end up being alienated from God and judged by God or end up experiencing death because the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So this, as you said, Brother Gary, this is a serious series uh, that we hope that will bring some transformation in people's lives because when you look at the Old Testament temple, how God took that very serious to the point of dropping people dead, he looks at the same thing with our bodies because that's why he says, if any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to dwell in an unholy temple. So we right. got to be sure that we are living right. And that's mm-hmm. why I said, if our worship is not right, then also our service will not be right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's quickly see if we can get at least Rick's question started before we have to take the break. All righty. Brother Rick, how you doing? I am, I am blessed. Can all right, all right. Good to have you on with us tonight. What's on your heart, brother? We have about two minutes. And we can... let, let, me, let me get the question in. In okay. John 14, Jesus talks about, in my house are many mansions. What does he mean by many mansions? Is that literal or what? Well, that's a good question. And uh, what has happened with a lot of uh, preachers and uh, Christians who have not been discipled right on this and haven't looked at the Greek meaning of the word mansion, 
have, uh, and then you got word faith teachers that explode this thing. We want to be rich in heaven and all that stuff. We have our own mansion. Well, the Greek word for uh, mansion is Monet. And Monet is, means uh, dwelling or abode, a dwelling place. So the Greek word is not mansion, but it's dwelling place. And uh, you look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, and uh, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, when a person dies as a Christian, his soul goes to be uh, with the Lord. And when Jesus comes back, he will come back with our souls to unite it and raise the body to unite with the soul. Uh, but it says that we will descend to the earth with Christ. And uh, he created a new heaven and a new earth. <coughs> Excuse me, a new heaven and a new earth. And that's where the dwelling place will be. I know that's a shock to a lot of people because Edom lost will be Edom restored. So uh, we will be dwelling on earth with Christ as king. I know this is a shock to a lot of people. They think, oh, we're going to be living in heaven and, and have a mansion? No, that's not what the scripture's teaching. So we'll be on earth, new heaven and new earth and the earth. And we will dwell in that earth, new heaven and earth, with Christ forever. So uh, let's go to a commercial break, and I'll say a little more things about this and when closing. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that break. Get up the phone. Give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And, you know, uh, we just want to say thank you to all of our listeners who have been praying for Contending for the Faith. And a special thanks to those who have partnered with us financially over the many years that we've been on the air to keep this ministry going. It is a listener-supported ministry, and we need your prayer support as well as your financial. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or a money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553. Tiburon is spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. Uh, We just want to let you know that the next two weeks we will be airing the best of Contending for the Faith as we celebrate uh, a couple of weeks off with Dr. Buckner's birthday and his 50th anniversary with his lovely wife. And so we're going to take those two weeks off to celebrate. And we'll be back in the studio on June 26th live. So we want to encourage you continue to listen, continue to take notes, but you won't be able to call in for the next two weeks. 
All right, Dr. Buckner, uh, we were talking with Rick. Yes, thank you, Brother Gary. Rick, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm listening. Yes, so uh, getting back to what I was saying, uh, the Greek word for mansion is Monet, and it is referring to dwelling place or abode, not mansion. So uh, we need to educate people on that. And uh, when it talks about dwelling place, the dwelling place will be on earth because God is going to create, and as it said in the book of Revelation, a new heaven and a new earth will come down, descend, and then uh, our bodies that's in the grave, he will rise it and then raise it and uh, it will connect with our souls being brought back with Christ from heaven. But heaven is not the place where we're going to be uh, dwelling. We'll be dwelling on earth. We will not be dwelling uh, in uh, heaven with mansions. Uh, that's a misconception of the word of God. We will be on earth and the uh, Eden lost will be Eden restored. That's what it talks about in the book of Revelation. So new heaven and new earth. And that doesn't mean that we won't have accessibility with a spiritual body uh, to access heaven and back. You know, Jesus was able to do that. But our bodies is designed, will be designed on new bodies uh, that will be uh, resurrected is designed for the earth. We will be on earth uh, as Jesus being the king on earth and uh, eaten lost will be eaten restored. Now, that's something very important for people to be equipped and educated on because we very seldom hear that the Bible taught that way. And so hopefully that's given you some insight, Brother Rick, and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll learn something from that. I just want to clarify, just want to just get clarification on something. When our, when our bodies are joined together with our spirit, our spirit we're talking about the, uh, we're talking about the, um, the resurrected bodies, not, not the earthly bodies that we had before. Well, the, the earthly bodies that we, that we have now will go to the earth. It will, it will be buried and disintegrate. And what God will do, uh, he will save our DNA and what he will do is raise our body that was in the grave from mortal to immortal. But that, and it will unite with our spirits and soul that was in heaven. And we will come back. Christ will bring our souls and spirit because when you die, your body, your soul is in heaven and your spirit is in heaven with God. And Christ will come back with our spirit and our soul to raise the mortal body to an immortal body and then we will descend to the earth and that will be our dwelling place uh for eternity on earth that's why it says the meat will inherit the earth so that's what will happen okay, okay. I understand. you got it Thanks. all right I understand. you got it god bless brother yes. okay thanks for your call and your good question brother gary let's go to our next caller Okay, so we're going to uh, go to Craig on line two. Craig, are you there? Yeah, hi, Gary, and hi, Dr. Buckner. How you doing, my brother? How you been? 
Yeah, I'm good, and uh, congratulations on uh, you and your wife, 50th wedding, marriage anniversary. That's awesome. What a great role model you are to younger folks on that. So God Thank bless you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the encouraging words. Appreciate that. And, and what's yeah, on your heart I, tonight? What's your question? Yeah, I want to ask you about all this talk um, on Great Awakening or revival, worldwide revival that I've been hearing. Uh, different blogs, different speakers, ministers, longtime Christian people, some of them real seasoned, and they say we're either in a the beginning, uh, there's a great awakening coming, or we're in a beginning of it, or they call it a revival. Well, maybe you could define these terms, but uh, I don't know. I just wanted to call you. It's uh, see what you thought about all of this. I'm sure you're you, you've probably heard of this going on. This growing idea of uh, Great Awakening or, or Worldwide Revival, like like no other time, a big worldwide revival? Well, that's a good question. Uh, and yeah, this uh, talk has been uh, really a, a lot of talk in, in some of the evangelical churches and stuff like that. Uh, my perspective of it is this, that uh, I won't believe it until I see evidence of it. Uh, the last revival that took place was in the 1970s with the hippie yippie movement under the Calvary Chapel Ministries with the late Pastor Chuck Smith, with the um, you know Calvary Chapel churches and and the young uh, people were seeking uh, answers and they thought they could get it through hallucinated drugs and all of that stuff and they found that. There was no answers in that, but self-destruction. And uh, the Calvary Chapel churches reached out to a lot of the young people, and a revival broke out amongst them. And you could see the evidence of uh, lives being changed on a large, large scale. Uh, it's not enough to talk about awakening and revivals, but you got to see evidence of it. Like, for instance, Jonathan Edwards in the 1800s preached that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he didn't even look at his, he didn't even look at the people. Uh, he preached for hours upon hours and just looked at his notes and said, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And he used the illustrative illustration of a uh, spider being Satan and the people being caught in a web of sin. And he preached that over and over and over. And then the next thing you know, revival broke out all over England and some parts of America. So unless I see evidence of it, talk is cheap. I mean, the Spirit of God, like on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls were saved, and it was a large movement of revival. Then when you look in the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Old Testament, <clears throat> revivals took place with the prophets because they challenged the people to turn back to the word of God. And every time uh, the nation of Israel did that and turned away from the idolatry and immorality. See, idolatry and immorality is the sin of the United States and worldwide. It rhymes, idolatry and immorality. We got to repent of that. And uh, if we don't, revival will never take place. When the people repent, of idolatry and immorality. And that's what the people did in the Old Testament. They repented of idolatry and immorality. 
And uh, it, it always goes together, hand like a hand in a glove. And the idolatry and immorality is huge today. And even in many of our churches, when you see people repenting of that on a large scale, then revival always breaks out. And that's why Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham said, if God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize for what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. Revival, there has to be evidence of it. People cannot just be talking about it and getting people hyped about it. There has to be some fruit. There has to be some evidence of it, like some of the illustrations I've given you. And people like the White Lamb Moody. I'm a professor at Gateway Seminary, and I was telling the people today with the book Secret Power that by the White Lamb Moody, everybody should get that book because he says there has to be an emptying before that can be a filling. Many people are praying for God to fill them when they're already filled with something else. And when there's an emptying, God's spirit will come upon us like he did <clears throat> the glory of God upon the, the temple. And, you know, and revival will break out if people empty themselves of sin, uh, idolatry, and immorality. And that was the problem. And that's the, in, in, in Israel history, they kept mingling with the world. We have churches doing that. We have the world doing that with itself. Until we do that and repent, the revival never will take place. So hopefully that kind of helps out from my perspective on it. Yeah, I when I hear these gentlemen, you know, say this, like they see signs, but the first question I want to ask them is, well, you know, what are the signs? Like, as you were saying, you know, what is the evidence? And I, I've never really heard anybody get into any specifics, but they really believe this. And, um, and they also, I heard one gentleman actually today, old guy has been around a long time. Um, he was saying that for revival to happen is that God actually has to act kind of, kind of directly. It, it isn't just us, the people, but God will do some kind of, I guess, miracle. He didn't say miracle, but it seemed like something on the super, maybe, you know, supernatural level, God will act on the world or society well, or well, something I, like I don't, that. I don't agree with that because uh -huh. God only acts on the world when man acts. When man, you know, like, for instance, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, I'm about to say this and get to our last call. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. The land will never be healed by uh, people saying God is going to act on something. No, you got to repent and turn to him. But thank you for your call. We're going to get this last call in and appreciate okay, your uh, good question. Call back again. We appreciate you every time you call. God bless. Thank you. God. All right. Let's quickly get to CC. CC, how you doing? Doing, and I just want to say, um, um, happy um, 48, 40, you know, forty eighth birthday. I want to say thank, you. happy, happy birthday, man. We love you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it, it'll be the fiftieth. No, your forty eighth. Oh, you're talking, you're talking about my birthday. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got you now. I got you now. Oh, yeah, happy, yeah, happy, yeah. Happy, I appreciate happy, you saying happy. that for <laughs> because oh, yeah, because I was teasing with Gary. I was teasing with Gary on that. Uh, that uh, he asked me how old I'm going to be. I said, well, I'll be uh, 59. Uh, and, and he says, yeah, right. I said, yeah, I'm a uh, Benjamin Buttons. I'm going backwards. 
Amen. 69. 69. Right. Let the truth be told. Yes. 69. <laughs> Amen. We have a lot of fire on that cake coming. Yeah, that's all right. Amen. <laughs> Those candles are going to blaze. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, uh, CC. And what's on your heart? We want to have some time with you, my brother, before we uh, close tonight. I want to ask why do why do so many preachers don't preach about the doctrine of hell, especially the preachers, the young ones that's in their twenties, thirties, and forties, and, and even older ones, but the young ones too. They most of them they don't preach it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good question uh, because uh, many of them have, uh, uh, have compromised with the culture, uh, you know we're going to either be influenced by Christ or the culture. There's the war between the two C's. And uh, a lot of them have done the, the three C's, compromise, confuse, and contradict. And so the world is in the churches, and a lot of churches, not all, but it's in a large amount of churches. And the world wants nothing to do with hell. And when the world gets in the church, they don't want anything to do with hell as well. So, but it's something that we got to preach because Jesus preached it. The early church preached it. And we got to be faithful to his, his word. And Jesus said, if you don't repent, all of you will likewise perish. And then Matthew 25, Jesus said, hell was not prepared for man, but for the, the devil and his uh, angels. And so Jesus preached on it. The book of Revelation talks about the lake of fire. And that preacher, Leo Daniels, who preached that famous sermon, sinners in the, not sinners, but uh, he preached that famous sermon, Leo Daniels, he's a black preacher. He says, what in hell do you want? What in hell do you want? And he talked about H mean is going to be hot down there. E means going to be everlasting. The first L, low place. Last L, lonely place. What in hell do you want? Leo Daniels. And so... We got to preach it, but we can't compromise, confuse, and contradict. That's the problem. We're allowing the world uh, to get in the church, and then we don't want to offend people, right? You know, Jesus said, warn to the world because offense, so offense must be needed. Look well, all right. I'm hearing that theme music. We got to yeah. shut it down. We appreciate you, CC, with that good question. God bless you, brother, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We want to thank you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. We want to also thank Vince, our engineer. It's important for us to hear from you, your letters and cards and encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how this program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.